This is A Word, a podcast from Slate. I'm your host, Jason Johnson. Toys were coveted items as a child. They cultivated joy and imagination. But pop culture has taken a turn. And adult toy enthusiasts and collectors, like trendsetting rapper, producer Kwame, are refusing to give up their desire to play. As a kid, kid, my top tier people were Hulk, Spider-Man, Superman, Batman, right? And they were all because of attributes. Pop culture and black toy collectors and the joy of play coming up on A Word with me, Jason Johnson. Stay with us. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Welcome to A Word, a podcast about race and politics and everything else. I'm your host, Jason Johnson. The narrative that toys are just for kids is being reshaped by passionate pop culture collectors and Hollywood. Parents used to stand in line for Cabbage Patch Kids or Tickle Me Elmos for their kids. Now parents are standing in line for Justice League action figures and Funkos for their own collections. Toys used to be just for kids. Now they're big business for adults and kids at heart. Once popular child favorites like the 1980s Teddy Ruxpin can sell for as much as $1,400 today. There are billion-dollar movies about Barbie and the Transformers and documentaries about Beanie Babies and other 90s toys. Look, toys are big business. The toy collectibles market is forecast to reach $35.3 $35.3 billion, with a B, by 2032, according to MarketDecipher.com. Our guest today knows the value of a good toy. For years, he's been feeding his curiosity for toy culture and exploring the intersection of toys and hip-hop. Kwame Holland is a rapper well-known for his debut album, The Boy Genius, released in 1989 at the age of 16. He has since emerged as a pop culturalist, writer, DJ, and producer known for working with the likes of Mary J. Blige and 50 Cent, But these days, he also produces collectible art experiences with the collective he co-founded, Let's Be Honest. LBL celebrates pop culture with original and licensed toy and collectible experiences. Kwame, welcome to A Word. What's going on, Jason? Kwame, your debut to the music world, to me, you were at the sort of forefront of alternative hip-hop. You know, the polka dot style, the funny storytelling. What got you into music? What was like, what was your inspiration? I was always inspired by music, but the cool thing was my grandfather was a publisher. One of his good friends was Lionel Hampton, the great jazz vibist. You know, I would have conversations with Mr. Hampton and he was like, what do you like to do? And I'm like, well, I like to play the drums. And then the next thing I know, a drum set was on my doorstep and it was a gift from from Mr. Hampton. So that honed my, my drumming skills. Then you have, as a little kid at the same time, hip hop starts showing up. And I was immediately enamored by that. And then hip hop just became the culture that I was in as a kid. So the culture is everything. The culture is making the music. The culture is breakdancing. The culture is graffiti, rapping, beatboxing, fashion. So all those things moved me forward. And toys played a very big part in it. Because as I was getting older and I was into the music culture, I was also, as a kid, still being a collector and still wanting toys for a good report card or for the holidays or for a birthday. And I remember my father saying, okay, look, you're about to turn 13. 
So the day you turn 13, on your 13th birthday, there will be no Star Wars. There will be no G.I. Joe. There will be no He-Man. There will be no Transformers. You got to get out of that. He said, now, what you do with your own money is what you do with your own money. So by being forced out of toys, I go all the way in with music. We met at San Diego Comic-Con, and you were on a panel talking about, like, hip-hop and comics. I mean, everybody played with toys, but comics used to be nerd stuff in the 80s. Was there a connection for you between comics and hip-hop? Was there a way that those sort of flowed together when you were younger? 1,000% connection. You know, a lot of people hyper-focus on 90s hip-hop, but if you deal with early, mid to late 80s in general, in New York City, it was hell on earth. And when I say hell on earth because of the crack epidemic, so when you're dealing with that time, so many things can happen to you. And comic books, hip hop, they're escapisms. So for me being like a geek or whatever, I'm absorbing the music, I'm reading comic books. The comic books are fueling my vocabulary. It expands your mind, expands your your imagination. And if you're a writer like I am, that input flows out into my output. Even as a producer, when I was learning, you know, just making music and and my thing was I wanted to make music, write music that took you someplace and took you into a, a fantasy realm, an escapism realm, and also talk to a group of kids that were like, look, we don't have to be the the crack guy, <laughs> you know? We can be, you know, there's some fantasy and nerdism in hip hop as well. So, you know, it, it all flows in together. You have this perspective, not just on hip hop, not just on comics, but on toys that is very unique. I'm somebody who, I used to watch Toy Hunter with Jordan Hambro. I used to love that show. But I always remember there were some perspectives that were just missing. I'm a black toy collector. I have you know, Amigo Falcon action figure. I have an original Uhura action figure. I have a black astronaut Barbie that was made three years before Mae Jemison was the first black woman in space. I collect black toys. There's a perspective on them that I have. What got you into toys? Because you were playing with the same stuff everybody else was in the 80s. You had your He-Man, you had your Transformers, you had your G.I. Joes, but now you're creating your own. What moved you into that space from comics and hip hop? I guess it's like a, a, a holy trinity. It's like toys, comics, music. I'm a highly imaginative person. You know, the only thing that I would get in trouble for in school was daydreaming. Toys provided hours and hours and hours of imaginative fun. Coming home from watching Star Wars or Empire Strike Back, then I have these figures and I go, but what happened next? I gotta wait three years? No, I'm gonna make this thing up myself. Concept building. It all falls back into how I approach music. You know, whether it's building play sets or costume design, whatever it is, it's all drawn from toys and comic books. So flash forward to now and to making toys, I go back to the best black toy that I had as a little kid was the Migo Muhammad Ali. That was our action hero. You can have like a Mr. T figure, but that figure didn't really do anything. It just was real, you know, like a stiff figure or whatever. But the Muhammad Ali figure was like a real action hero. And I just remember my mom just 
I remember she found a Deadwood Dick action figure. I don't know how she found it. She found like some some off brand. I don't know if you remember, there weren't too many black Cabbage Patch kids. So there were like ladies at church that would be knitting and making their own Cabbage Patch kids. You know, all this kind of stuff. Or, you know, you have the black Barbies. And I just said, I would like to contribute to that. I would like to, if not make my own toys by myself, join some sort of collective that understands that. I could implement my toy ideas and try to produce things on that nature. But even more so, I really want to immortalize the era of music that I grew up in. Because the rappers, the singers, the, you know, just the, the people in the eras that I grew up in were like superheroes. They all dressed differently. They exuded literally like a superpower. Everybody stood alone. You know, we had our own image and strong images that represented different things all the different facets of the black community. We showed in the 80s that we weren't a monolith. So I wanted to make toys that represent that. We're going to take a short break and we come back more about black toy culture with collector Kwame. This is A Word with Jason Johnson. Stay tuned. You're listening to A Word with Jason Johnson. Today, we're talking about the popularity of toy culture amongst adult collectors with rapper, singer, producer, and toy creator, Kwame. When you think about your own collection, and, you know, obviously the audience can't see this. I can see into your place. I see you got a Galacticus behind you. There's an animal from the Muppet show. You got an Ultron video game. I'm actually a, a retro gamer as well. What are some toys that are your prized possessions? What are some toys that have particular meaning for you that you either have held since you were a kid or that you've acquired as an adult? You know, it's weird. I'm not into the first of this or like mint in box of that or signed this, that. I'm not really into that. Maybe this is nostalgia in me, but I'm into the toys that really resonated with me as a kid and maybe Partially things that I couldn't get, like my parents didn't get. For me, I love Shogun Warriors and Godzilla. Shogun Warriors, the giant robots, Godzilla is Godzilla, and it had nothing to do with, there's no race, there's no anything. It's Godzilla and robots. You know, I'm like a super Godzilla head, so it's just like, there's an attribute to Godzilla that I resonate with. So, you know, my first Godzilla toy is very, very important to me. And the Shogun Warriors, because I, I got the Godzilla, but my mother would never let get the other Shogun Warriors. But like also my Migo Muhammad Ali. I remember having that. I remember when I got it. I remember where I got it. I remember who bought it for me. And so losing it as a kid and then, you know, buying it again, that's special. But I didn't, that's the thing. I didn't need it all in the box because when I was a kid, I took it right out the box. So I don't need it in the box. I just need the figure there. But, you know, my go-to is 100%. I think my my quick go-to are my old Migos, Migos figures. So for those who don't know, Migos are these 8-inch action figures with, like, cloth um, clothing 
And they made everything in the 70s and the very early 80s. So from Marvel Comics to DC Comics to Star Trek, Happy Days. There was a Fonzie action figure. I love my Fonzie action figure. And my Robin Williams, um, Mork from Ork action figure. Those type of figures, you know, just resonate with me through my childhood. And those are the ones that I hold the most dear. And lastly, Six Million Dollar Man, man. That was my guy back. So my Six Million Dollar Man and my Bigfoot figure that Andre the Giant as Bigfoot, those figures really, really resonated with me. And now we call them Holy Grails. And it's figures that we are looking for, for nostalgia reasons, for personal reasons, whatever it is, these toys that we look for, that we will pay whatever the price is to get them. When I met you at Comic-Con, you had a fantastic booth. You were DJing. I had been following you. You have this great Instagram where you talk about Toy Tuesdays, which is great. You show all sorts of cool stuff. But you're with this group, this collective called Let's Be Onyx. And it's interesting to me because I think of all the collectives in hip-hop in the late 80s, early 90s, all these crews that used to sort of run together and help produce music. You're doing a similar sort of thing. Tell us a little bit about... Let's be Onyx. What are you guys doing? How did you come together? And, and what are you bringing to the marketplace? So Let's Be Onyx, or for short, LBO, is an artistic collective of A, toy veterans, artists, and enthusiasts like myself. And what we do is the basic mission is to make a diverse, all-inclusive landscape in the world of toys, starting with Toys that represent who we are as African-American people. So on one end, it's helmed by a sculptor by the name of Corey Hanzo and his wife, Lawanda, out of Philadelphia. And it started with Corey sculpting these historical black figures. Like the inspiration for Magneto and Professor X was Malcolm X and Martin Luther King. So he sculpts. He has this Magneto X, like a, Mar- a Malcolm X that looks like Magneto, or James Baldwin, or Miles Davis. So he was doing these one-off sculptures, these like highly detailed figures, but nothing in for the wide marketplace. It was just an art art project. So people started to recognize his stuff for that. So for now, what we did was. If anybody understands the the action figure space, the very first quote-unquote action figure was a figure called Captain Action. Captain Action was this guy that came out in 1966, and he was pretty much a male Barbie. He, you can take Captain Action, you can take his clothes off, and you can turn him into Batman. You can turn him into Spider-Man. You can turn him into Superman, Captain America, whomever. And then he had a bad guy named Dr. Evil, not from Austin Powers, the original Dr. Evil. You know, and it was like more like for for boys to have like an action figure that can also do dress up. And, you know, you can change these outfits. We've acquired the license to Captain Action. And so now there is a, a black character, Major Action. There's a, um, a female character, Lady Action. We're going to keep going down the list. And it's not about a male Barbie doll like or, or playing dress up. Yes, we're going to be able to do that. So... Yeah, there might be a, a major action that can turn into Black Panther. He might be able to be able to turn into Icon or turn into so you can get you can get an Icon figure now via Captain Action. You can get a a cool retro looking Black Panther via 
Captain Action, or whoever else. But there's also, we're doing a, a, a whole lore, a whole mythos behind his his story. And so um, that's our first project. And I, I don't, I'm really excited about it because for me as, a, as an action figure collector, like Captain Action Batman, Captain Action Spider-Man, those are holy grails for me. And them things, like I looked at the Spider-Man the other day, I found one, and it was starting at 15 grand. So, you know, we want to be able to create that vibe times 100 with our version of Captain Action. Um, and that's just the beginning. You know, there's other characters that we're developing, you know, characters that aren't based on anything. It's just our own creative things. Also toys that are in the black history space. We have like a subsidiary company called Dope, and that only focuses on black historical figures. So there's a, a stagecoach Mary and there's a Bass Reeves. Um, if anybody doesn't know who Bass Reeves is, Bass Reeves is the prototype, the real life prototype for the Lone Ranger. He was a ranger, um, a, a black ranger back in the days. And then you have stagecoach Mary. Her name is Mary Fields, who was one of the first male carriers, not just female male carriers. And she had to defend the mail that she was carrying. And, you know, these are deep-rooted historical black figures that a lot of people don't know about. And so those are the two that, and they're highly detailed adult collector figures. But then we're going to do some for the kids because I think cool-looking toys for kids that are based in real-life properties promotes the kids to research, read, and learn. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, more with Kwame, co-founder of the toy company collective Let's Be Onyx. This is The Word with Jason Johnson. Stay tuned. You're listening to A Word with Jason Johnson. Today, we're talking with rapper, producer, and toy culture enthusiast Kwame. So I could draw an action figure right now, right? I'm like, okay, I pull out a piece of paper, but I wouldn't know what to do beyond the initial drawing. What are some of the skills that you need? Like, do you guys, do you hire actual sculptors? Do you have like computer image generating people? Like what are just some of the skills that you need as part of your collective to make toys? Toys are like any other manufactured product. So A, yes. You start off with your idea. And if anybody with a creative mind could have the idea of the type of toy you want to make. But then those toys have to be engineered. So now you got to have somebody on your team that understands the engineering of toys. Take, for example, a transformer. If you get a transformer and you can transform it from a robot to a plane or a plane to a train or a train to a car... That is serious technical engineering. It's not just toy making. You have to mathematically figure that out. So, you know, people on the team that can do that. Like you said, the sculpting of the toy to make it actually. And the good thing is now we have, you can hand sculpt. So if you have a skilled hand sculptor, that's one thing. But now you can also computer 3D sculpting and print it out, which is, I think, is the most amazing Star Trek futuristic thing I've ever seen in my life. Then there's the manufacturing side. There's the business side. Where do we manufacture this at? Do we make it here in the United States? What materials do we use? What plastics do we use? Do we use resin? What type of paints can we use? What paints 
are not legal. There are paints that are illegal in this country, but legal in other countries. We need to know that. That's all into toy making. So there's all sorts of technicalities. And then you got to figure out how to get all that done by the due date that you said you were going to get it done. And that's the thing that destroys a lot of toy companies. They cannot deliver. I see it all the time. And we do not want to be that type of toy company. So we're, you know, we're pacing ourselves. And I would love to show in a way for kids to understand that process. You know, just like how Mr. Rogers showed me how crayons were made, or how the Incredible Hulk TV show was made. Things like that, that's a dream of mine to be able to start showing these processes that I'm explaining to you as well. We've talked about your IG. We've talked a little bit about your music. If somebody just wanted to really tap into their inner child and was like, yo, I love what Kwame is doing. How can somebody support your work? What's the best place to go? Is it is it following you on Instagram? Is it getting the Kwame action figure that's coming out in 2024? Somebody who's listening to this, who's like, I'm back into this. I want to be an adult toy collector. How can they follow you and support the work you're doing? Tapping into your inner child is very important in life, period. Some people may have a lot of trauma in their childhood. Some people may have a great childhood, but had to extinguish that for adulthood. I believe that tapping into your childhood, just remembering who you are, not who you were, because who you are as a child is partially who you are as an adult. Really remembering who you are and walking in that with your experiences as an adult, life will seem so much more exciting. Everything will excite you Oh my God, look at that light bulb. You know, it's just like if you approach things with the nature that you had as a child, I'm, I just guarantee that you will maneuver in a different way, positive or negative. If you had a positive or negative, negative childhood, it still helps you maneuver in a broader, different, greater way. Um, as far as me, I think a lot of things that I'm doing very concentrated into Instagram for now. So Instagram at Kwame Vision. And I'm learning how to be the 100% me. I use Instagram as a tool for that. So whether it's toy collecting, whether it's philosophy, whether it's music, whether it's art, whether it's fashion, Instagram has become my first hub. And it's weird, you know, people know me for doing music. You know, I've been producing a lot of records for the past, you know, 20 some odd years at this point, 30 some odd years at this point. And now I'm just like toys, toys, toys. And, and somebody said, are you abandoning your music? Are you abandoning your first love? And I thought about it. I was like, yo, I think I feel like I'm neglecting my first love. And then I really thought about it. I was like, no, I am reacquainting myself with my first love, which is toys, comic books. You know, music became my second love as I was growing out of this. So now it's like introducing love number one to love number two and putting out product, like I said, becoming my 100% self and infusing everything into to the things that I do. Uh. 
Kwame is a musician, producer, and one of the founders of Let's Be Onyx, a collection of creative leaders celebrating pop culture through collectible experiences. It's one of my favorite interviews ever. Kwame, thank you so much for joining me today on A Word. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And that's A Word for this week. The show's email is a word at slate.com. This episode was produced by Ayana Angel. Ben Richmond is Slate's Senior Director of Podcast Operations. Alicia Montgomery is the Vice President of Slate Audio. Our theme music was produced by Don Will. I'm Jason Johnson. Tune in next week for a word. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts, so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.